Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person. Talking about soccer lots. Boy, you can really shred on that guitar, can't you? Rock and roll. This is Soccer Noob Rock in America. Featuring me. Featuring Person Noob. That's right. That's the full title of the show. Parenthetically featuring Person Noob. We don't want to forget that. She's 10 years old, comparatively new to being a person. I am your host, Soccer Noob. And uh, I've not been following soccer all that many years and really only in earnest for uh, a, a couple of them. So thank you very much for joining us on your learning journey. I guarantee you the show is far from just uh, for new soccer fans. We're going to have learning and fun for everyone as we explore matches from all over the world. The best, most intriguing matches with the highest drama possible every single week, which means we are scouring the globe. Every top flight FIFA endorsed league in the world is on our radar. So whether the country is big or small, or maybe it's a tournament match, if there's high drama waiting for us, pretty good chance that it's a match that we're going to be doing. Plus, what else do the people have to look for besides those amazing pre- mini previews? Person who will answer your questions today. today. That's right. We got the pause. When she first came up with the name of that segment, she threw a uh, inadvertent ellipses in there, and I've insisted on it ever since. Yes, thank you very much in advance for having submitted your questions uh, to us at Soccer Noob USA. You can do that anytime. I refuse to answer them because I'm a giant jerk. Instead, I leave that to my daughter, Person Noob, to answer with all her flair and her childlike wisdom. But first, we have to get into the matches. And this week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, uh, 429, through Thursday, May the 5th. Let's dive right in with... March number one! And right out of the gate, we're going to prove that we are one of those shows that goes where a lot of shows won't. Your match number one is a Friday match from Armenia. Yeah, we were there a couple of weeks ago, but the race is so good that we've got to revisit it. Uh, the Premier League there, by the way, is rated just number 41 anyway, if not unexpected for a uh, smaller country like that. But again, we go where the drama is, not just necessarily to the biggest leagues in the biggest countries. Uh, this is officially a 10-team league, but really there have only been nine. Uh, one of the teams withdrew or, or uh, got kicked out, I think, even before the season started. So nobody will get automatically relegated. One team will have to... Uh, fight for the opportunity to stay up at a relegation playoff match instead, the team that finishes in ninth. More importantly for these two, only one team, the champion, gets to go to the Champions League. Your second and third place teams will go to next year's tertiary tournament in Europe, the Europa Conference League. Uh, the teams at the top have just six matches left. Your matchup, 
Second place currently, Ararat Armenia, and they are taking on playing host number one, Punic. Here's how the table stands. Punic lead Ararat Armenia by two. No one else is close to these two, by the way. Two-horse race. As far as the very recent series, uh, Ararat Armenia have had the slight advantage with a 3-1-2 and two record. This season, the teams who have been the ones traveling have been the ones who have been winning. Punic got a 1-2 win the last time they visited Ararat Armenia, and then that team won 0-3 convincingly on the road. They are going to play one more time this season after this, by the way. So depending on how close that race remains, we may talk about these two one more time. But what do we have to say about them today? Well, let's talk about the hosts first, and as always, Ararat Armenia. Like a lot of teams, they play out of the capital city, Yerevan. Uh, it's a very young club. They were just founded in 2017, and yet they've won the league title twice, uh, both in the season that ended in 19 and then the 2019-20 season. Internationally, uh, Champions League, they've been there uh, a couple times, as we mentioned, or at least once. They've got a 1-0-2 record there, and then a 6-0-3 record in the Europa League. Haven't uh, made a lot of noise. I don't think made any group stages, but again, it's a young club and really establishing themselves. Last year, only finished in fifth place, so a bit of a quick return for them. Statistically, no surprises. Uh, well, the slight surprise, they're actually uh, they're in second place in the table, but uh, they've got the best offense, defense, goal differential, uh, this is a team that's been the favorite for a very long time. Key player to know about and look for. Uh, second best in league le- in league scoring is Malison Lima. He represents for uh, Cape Verde, plays winger. He's actually Dutch-born. Uh, for his trouble for repping with his lineage and going with Cape Verde, he's only made one national team appearance, and that was back in 2018. Defensively, they've got a star on their hands as well. Number one goalkeeper in the league, and I don't think this is close. He's got 13 clean sheets. Italian goalkeeper Valerio uh, Vimercati. Team's current form, they are 2-2-0 in their last four with a very nice uh, 6-3 goal differential. And now Punic, they play out of uh, Yerevan as well. I know specifically that they play in the Kentron neighborhood, which is right downtown, uh, the commercial center of the city. Uh, That is not to say that the other teams are necessarily suburban teams, but I know that this is one that plays right there in the middle. Uh, Since 1992, they have won the league title 14 times, and they are trying to get back on top for the first time in a while. Last time they hoisted the trophy, 2014-15. For all that winning, they have also been to the Champions and Europa Leagues a number of times and have played 60 matches there. Again, I don't think they've made any group stage appearances and made a lot of noise in that particular regard. But if they can get back to the top, we can see what happens. Last year, they were the lower half of the league, number seven. Not sure what happened there. This year, statistically, second best offense, defense, goal differential. Number one league scorer is there to boast of, and he's got 17 netted on the year. Serge, or Serge, I think Serge Dayblay, uh represents for Ivory Coast winger, veteran who's 32 years old. He actually came over from a different team, era of Ararat Yerevan, in January. So some of his goals were, were for this team, and some were for his previous one. And he's got a, a nice little uh, pedigree for a guy that's playing in such a small European league. Uh, not sure from which team, but he has done some loan time from 2008 through 11 with uh, Anjou and uh, Nantes over in uh, France, League One. As far as their form, 
They are unbeaten in their last 12. And that segues me smoothly into, uh, we've got uh, friends. Can I use the word friends? We haven't known each other that long. The guys from a really great football uh, podcast called Football Kentron, K-E-N-T-R-O-N. You can look for him under that same name on Twitter. If you like getting deep into very specific leagues that aren't necessarily the biggest one, I highly recommend this show. Uh, it's three guys who are Armenian diaspora from uh, living in different parts of the world now who do, as far as I know, the only English podcast, English language podcast for this particular league. I asked them, what is it that I should know ahead of this match? Just like we did a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'll just read verbatim what it is they wrote instead of trying to parse it out. Uh, A quick note regarding this race is that it was a complete shock. Era Armenia were slaughtering the league before the winter pause. Uh, Side note, they take a break in the middle of the season for the weather. Then suddenly when the league resumes, they can't score as much and they drop points. To be fair, Punic are playing nice football and have been nearly flawless too as their bad results happen to come in the first handful of games. Whoever wins this has a really strong shot at playing Europa group stays next season, so it's really big. These guys not only know Armenia, but they know a lot of the teams that play in a lot of the other countries that they would be competing against to try to get through the qualifying rounds into the event proper in uh, more than likely, I would say, the Europa League or the Europa Conference League. It's still hard for me to see, and I think this is fair, uh, to see them uh, making really, really deep run in the Champions League, maybe even making the group stage and beyond. That would be highly unlikely. But it is interesting to know, because I didn't get a big, you know, I glanced at this league from time to time throughout the year, that, uh, you know, the race seemed over for a very, very long time. And now all of a sudden you've got a team that basically dropped its first few matches, all of a sudden have found themselves and have been flawless for like the next two thirds of the season. Can't wait to see how this one turns out. Match number B. Number two, bathroom talk. Personoob, you got it right. Number B, join us in a revolution. Replace that phrase in your daily life, new bites. You will be so happy you did and might even thank us. Who knows? Now, match number B, there it is in action. It's a Saturday match, as will all of the next series of matches. And uh, until I announce otherwise, just so you know, and I don't repeat that too much. And we're bringing it home to Major League Soccer for a really quirky, interesting match. Uh, these are two teams that are in the playoff hunt right now. And yes, it's early, but we're still always watching the table. In the Eastern Conference, it is number six, uh, Club de Foot Montreal, taking on number four, Atlanta United. Now, here's how the table stands right now. Atlanta lead Montreal by two on goal differential, and then Toronto is right in between them. Again, it's early. Things are very, very tight. As far as the recent series between them, Atlanta have been a little bit better with a 5-3-2 and two record. They actually played just a couple of weeks ago already, and uh, that was a real shootout. Atlanta uh, managed to hold to a 3-3 draw at home, just picked up one point. Now Montreal gets the courtesy of ho- or the privilege of hosting. Now, what makes this match so quirky, as you're going to find out, is these are two teams that I think in the short term, at the very least, are going to have a hard time maintaining uh, their playoff status in the table. So if either of them can pick up three points here, that will do a lot to uh, cushion the fall that I think is coming for both. Let's talk about the host first, Montreal. Uh, they've been playing in Major League Soccer since 2012. 
Last year, they finished in 10th place in the East. No playoffs for them. Uh, they do have some international experience. In fact, they finished uh, in second place. They made the final 2014-15 CONCACAF Champions League. And remember, that's an event that since they reformatted it in 2000, uh, changed the name, gave it its uh, current form, that no major league soccer team has won. So getting to that final, pretty darn good. What's been also pretty good, uh, darn good this season is their offense so far. They've got the second best going in the conference. However, that has been uh, very much counterbalanced by having uh, tied for the worst defense in the East. They're giving up over two goals per match, and they've got to get that short up. Overall, this leads for them just being tied for ninth place in goal differential. Now, the reason I think not only because you've got to be able to play some defense to really be a threat for the playoffs, I think, but uh, they're going to have a hard time holding on to one of their best players. He's not defensive, but he is in the midfield. Uh, Jordi Mihailovic, uh, despite the name, yes, he is a, a U.S. player, a central attacking midfielder, just 23 years old, already has four goals and two assists. He's been linked to any number of European teams, and I very much expect him to move on, get sold before the season is done. Maybe he would be allowed to finish the MLS season. Maybe not. I know that uh, Montreal fans are certainly hoping so. Most recent team he's been linked to is Leeds United, but there have been a number of them over in the Premier League and uh, other big European leagues to boot. And it's no wonder this guy looking at his stats, there's just no weaknesses. Particularly strong is his shot accuracy. Like I said, he's an attacking midfielder. So when he gets forward, he might not get the most volume, but he is going to make the most of when he is up front. Now, that's a name a lot of MLS uh, fans will know sort of in general, but who's been hot for the team just of late? And this might be a name that's great to watch for, but it might not be one every MLS fan knows. Uh, Finnish-born Lassie Lapalainen. Uh, he plays left midfield for them, left midfield for them, just 23 years old, tremendous tackle rate, tracks back very well on defense, uh, gets some work done on offense as well, and uh He's going to end up, to be perfectly honest, over in Europe being well already in his career. I don't know if it was Montreal who loaned him or not, but whoever he was with has loaned him to Bologna over in Serie A in Italy two different times. He didn't make any appearances over there, but clearly they've got their eye on him. Team's current form, they are 3-3-0 three, three oh in their last six. So the fall hasn't started yet, but once they start to uh, – uh, pay the price for that defense and maybe lose a player or two. I believe that uh, they will go over the cliff. Uh, the draw that they just got actually snapped their three-match winning streak. Uh, their goal differential over this stretch really says it all. They've scored uh, 13 goals over two per match, but they've given up 10. That's not great. And I'm sorry, but any any team, I don't care if it's whom we're away, that allows three goals – to Cincinnati, one of the worst teams, if not the very worst team in the league. Uh, that's just not a team you're going to be able to trust. Coming to town and hoping to get three critical road points is Atlanta United, another moderately young club founded in just 2014. They've already won the league title once. That was in 2018. Last year, unlike their host today, they did make the playoffs. They were out in the first round after finishing in fifth place in the East. Uh, they've also been to the CONCACAF Champions League three different times, I believe. Made the quarterfinal of each. Not too shabby. This year, uh, they're balanced on offense and defense, but really they're only very average in that regard. And I think their goal differential is 
sort of indicative that they weren't going to be able to uh, uh, keep afloat quite this high this year. The problem for them is not players they're going to lose, potentially, like Montreal, but players they have already lost to injury. They have been absolutely ravaged. Uh, their best player, uh, Yosef Martinez, he's going to be out till June. And then uh, their goalkeeper, Brad Guzan, he just ruptured his Achilles. There's a lot of thought that that might have been the last uh, match day of his career. Here's to hoping that he can uh, get well and potentially make a comeback whenever that may be. So their next best player, looking at all the stats, interestingly, because we don't get a lot of guys from this country that we get to make note of, from Cuba, Osvaldo Alonso, central defensive midfielder, uh, veteran player. I think that's going to help them, 36 years old, because they've got a journeyman uh, filling in in goal right now. I believe his last name is Shuttleworth. This is a guy who knows MLS. He spent almost a decade with Seattle Sounders, and then he spent some time with Minnesota United, with the Loons, before coming over here. Uh, his number of appearances hasn't been great, but when he's been in, he's been good. He's probably going to be playing a lot more as if they're not already. I think they're going to start playing four in the back, I would imagine. And he is a stellar passer. So if this is a team that wants to play the counter, he is going to be able to uh, to uh, assist in that regard very well. Teams current for him, they're already starting to suffer from those in- injuries. 0-1-2 in their last three matches with a woeful 1-8 and goal differential. Match number three. Our third match is one that I am so excited for because our name is a little bit of a joke with uh, Rock in America because we don't actually overfocus or exclusively focus anyway on American soccer. But when we have the excuse to not just uh, zoom around the world, uh, we do like to actually lean more CONCACAF, North America, and U.S. soccer. This is our first foray this year into the USL Championship, the second division league here in the States. Uh, In the past, they have been broken up into four divisions as well as two conferences. They've gotten rid of the division format. It's just now 27 teams in an East-West conference and uh, set up. And just like MLS, the top seven teams from each division at the end of the year will go to the playoffs and the winners will get buys straight into the conference semifinals. We weren't going to miss out on this. This has been uh, perhaps the matchup the last couple of years. Number one in the East, currently Louisville City, taking on number B, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Louisville is the only undefeated team from either conference right now, and yet they only lead Pittsburgh by two. And there's nothing that says, especially this early in the season, that uh, the East will remain a two-horse race by any means. In fact, really fun, uh, Detroit City that just moved up to this level trails the Riverhounds by only two. But as always, we will talk about our hosts first. Founded in 2014, that is Louisville City. Uh, They came up from Orlando. Uh, Orlando City had a team down there and moved the rights up here, which is good to get out of Orlando because the happiest place on earth, eh, I'm not so sure. A city be by built by greedy little mice men on a swamp in the middle of central Florida. Does it sound like anything really good is ever going to happen at a place like that? There's one thing Team Noob believes in. It's good urban planning. And quite simply, that isn't. We're quirky like that. Anyway, back to the footy. Uh, They have two league titles to their credit. They went back-to-back in 2017 and 2018. This year, the offense is great, but the defense is absolutely outstanding. Uh, They've only given up four goals in eight matches. That ties for them for number one in the league in that regard. 
As far as the uh, scoring leaderboard, they've got a guy on that with four goals already, American Wilson Harris, forward, 22 years old. Sporting Kansas City players, my, uh, fans too, actually, which is what I meant, might recognize his name. He spent three years after coming up with them on their B team, Swope Park Rangers, I believe, at the time. They've also got the best goalkeeper going, at the very least, in the East, uh, Kyle Marone. He's already got five clean sheets. That's over half the matches they've played. Uh, He was briefly with the Houston Dynamo, but they had loaned him out to second division Memphis. Didn't make a lot of appearances there either. In fact, interestingly, the the place that he's played the most was actually uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Who knows? Maybe he can help sort of solve them. As far as the team's current form, uh, they've only managed draws in their last two matches. Uh, But one of those really was a win. It started out a draw and then... uh, because that's one official stat, but it was a penalty kick win that they earned over St. Louis City to their reserve team in our FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup. Now, Pittsburgh looking for at least a draw and perhaps more. Uh, the Riverhounds won the East in 2019, best they've done. Uh, last year, they finished in third place in their division. That was good for number five overall in the Eastern Conference, but they had to withdraw from the playoffs because of a big COVID outbreak. Uh, their defense is okay. The offense, they are the only team in the league that is averaging more than two goals per match. Uh, big on that, tied for number one in league scoring. With six is Jamaican Dane Kelly, 31-year-old veteran. Uh, He's a D2 lifer, so he really knows this league well. But an interesting side note for him, I'm always on the lookout for stuff like this. Right in the middle of this very long journeyman career around the U.S. with these second division teams, he went, did he meet a girl? Did he have a long lost uncle over there or left him riches? We don't know. But in 2018, he spent a short time with an Israeli team in the top flight, Benai Saknin. Best of my knowledge, that's the only time he's ever been out of the U.S. for soccer. Anyway, time for number one on assists in the league, Canardo Forbes, fellow Jamaican for him, midfielder, another veteran, 33 years old, who really interestingly spent seven seasons playing for Utica City. If you're not familiar with them, don't feel bad. That's because they're a good indoor soccer team. Now, he wasn't playing that instead of outdoor soccer, but was doing some overlapping things in the uh, in the league's off-seasons. As far as the team's current form, they just scored a 4-0 win over Atlanta United's reserved team, and that snapped a two-match losing streak. Match number four. More Saturday action. We're headed off to the Champions League for the gals of UEFA. Uh, That event has reached the semifinal. In fact, the second legs of the two-legged ties. The winners of the match that we're going to talk about will play either Barcelona or Wolfsburg. Now, it's going to be Barcelona, and we don't need any help (laughs) predicting that. There would be no sense gambling any other direction. Barcelona won the first leg 5-1 to and are probably the best team in the world right now. They are going to be headed to Turin for the final. It is all but a guarantee. But what is far from guaranteed who's going to win the match that we're talking about, which is PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, versus Lyon. Yes, by coincidence, two uh, French top flight teams. Lyon won the first leg three to two in a shootout. What is going to happen with the second one? Uh, we dare not predict. So who do we turn to when we want to know who to put our quid on? Why, that would be none other than 3,500-year-old infinitely wise although he usually doesn't tend to get these right. <laughs> Soothsayer, Noobstradamus, what should we do? Can you help us with a drug-aided or drug-addled vision, my old, old friend? Greetings from Paris. 
Ungrateful you asked for this particular soccer score to be divined. Spring is wonderful most everywhere, but here there is a special charm. And I look tray chic in my flowing robes, glimmering headband, and smoking a stylishly long, thin cigarette. And yes, it's lotus leaf. So I once again travel through space and time. Whee! I wake in my vision in the 1370s, but not in Paris. In fact, I have left the city and am walking towards Spain. My ability to touch the Universal Infinite led me to this very road for the later famous Parisian Nicolas Flamel was returning from his own trip to Spain upon it. Knowing my purpose and sensing his coming, I sit patiently on a roadside stone. Soon, he arrives and sits beside me, wordlessly, intuiting correctly my incredible sageness. All the way to Spain I traveled for assistance translating this book, the master's help I sought turned out to be limited. He tries to hand-read the book, but I wave it away. It is the book of the Abermelon Mage. He nearly falls over from the shock, now knowing it as the Egyptian Kabbalistic book that could bring him both the riches of the Philosopher's Stone with which he might concoct the elixir of life. Later, he and his wife would decode it. Others believe this part of his story was debunked. But I'm 3,500 years old. I have no job yet have money for world travels. How do you think I knew what it was? Delicious mysteries for you. Noob, for each of the gifts he received, it is revealed to me the score will be one-to-one, one, which will, ironically, mean the Parisian gals lose on aggregate, three-to-four. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. Wow, you know, mind blown, this could like open up a whole new chapter, heck a whole different new podcast for Noobstradamus for that matter. Oh, I can imagine a whole serial thing going where he talks about uh, whoever maybe gave him the secrets to the philosopher's stone and the elixir of life. If he didn't discover them himself, uh, who else maybe he's passed it on to. This could be absolutely fascinating. Hmm. Nevertheless, we will have to settle for the moment for our fascination with footy and we are headed uh we're remaining on saturday and heading just a little bit south we're remaining right here in our concacaf region the liga mx where they are in the last match week of the clausura stage now the top 12 all make the playoffs now but the top four get buys straight through to the quarterfinals big deal there as far as international berths i believe it used to be where you finished in the regular season but the way things are now the top two from the playoffs, two clubs that reach the final will be the one that earned the berths to the CCL. 
The match we're going to talk about, you can catch this on TUDN at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And it's a bit of a quirky one for a couple different reasons. Number four, Atlas playing host to number B, T-Grace. Here's how the table looks right now. Atlas are tied with Puebla on points, but behind on goal differential, so they could get all the way up to number three. However, more dramatically, there are six teams within three points of Atlanta that could all knock them out, hypothetically, of that top four perch. Now, I will say that realistically, based on goal differential, it's probably really only three. But still, that's a lot. One point here, a draw at home might not be enough. They, they're going to need to play all three points probably if they want to maintain that top four perch. Now, Tigres, they are set into the number two slot. So the question is, does that mean that they'll rest some guys, rotate some guys maybe ahead of the uh, more important uh, playoffs? We shall see. But Atlas, on the other hand, in a way, how much do they have at stake? If their focus is the CONCACAF Champions League, well, consider them maybe a little less needful of focus because they won the playoffs in the Apertura stage. They are already going. Me, I think that the league is just as, if not more important than the Champions League to the Mexican teams because they've been winning the Champions League every single year since 2000 when it was uh, reformatted into uh, what we currently see. So I don't think they're going to rotate as many guys. We will see. As far as the recent series between these two, Tigres have been absolutely dominant with an 11-10-3 record. That said, uh, they only managed 1-1 draw last stage when they hosted Atlas. And we will talk about them, the hosts first. They are known as the Foxes and play out of the very large metro area of Guadalajara in the west central part of the country. I've been to Mexico, but not to that particular area. I didn't realize it was the third biggest metro in the country, over five and a quarter million people. And while I didn't feel unsafe any of the places I happened to go, I learned recently that it is part of the Bajio region, which is the uh, safest place in Mexico to uh, live and visit, maybe even in all of Africa, in all of Latin America. As far as the footy, as I mentioned, they won the playoffs last uh, last stage, and it was no fluke. They also finished in second place in the regular season, and that was their first title since all the way back in 1950-51. Wow. I thought Cruz Azul, the cursed team of the league, the person who liked so much, had had a long wait, but to wait over half a century, that's incredible. Now, they have been doing it on their defense. They are one of only two teams that have been letting in less than a goal every other match on average. But they've got a big bugaboo with their offense. They're barely average in that regard, and they don't even score a goal and a half per match on average. So if they're really going to get things done here at the tail end of the season, offensively, they may need to count even more on uh, Julian Quinones from Colombia, there for it. He's on the scoring leaderboard in Liga MX. He was actually with Tigres virtually his entire career, yet I don't think he's going to be able to help them solve any mysteries with them because he was virtually always loaned out. Also on the assist leaderboard for the league is Argentinian 32-year-old forward Julio Furch, who spent his career mostly with uh, Santos Laguna, but now is here. As far as the team's current form, 1-1-1 one, 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 with scores ranging all over the place, so it's hard no, to know really what to expect from them. And now Tigres, U-A-N-L. They're one of the teams attached to a university. They play in the town of San Nicolas de los Garza, which is a part of the greater uh, Monterey metro area. Uh, It's well out towards an edge. It's mostly a residential area, and you've got some relocated factories out here. This is very much a suburban team, if you will. But 
uh, no less tough for that as they won the CONCACAF Champions League in 2020. They've also got seven league titles to their credit, most recently won a stage, the Clausura of 2019. In uh, this season's Apertura, they finished in fourth place regular season, got as far as the semifinals in the playoffs. So their number two seed is guaranteed, uh, they're really licking their chops for the playoffs, probably try to get one of those CCL spots. Now, uh, they've been getting it done on offense. They average exactly one and a half goals per match, and that's actually good for second place. So as you can see, there's not a lot of differentiation offensively between a lot of these playoff-bound teams. The defense has been a real issue. They are barely average in that regard. And yet, overall, that's good for the second-best goal differential. Statistically, it's a quirky league. They've got the number one league score in the league, no surprise, and no surprise who it is with 11 goals. Their longtime star, Andre Pierre uh, Gignac from France, striker, 36 years old. He's been here since 2015. Uh, prior to that, he had made three dozen appearances for the French national team, 2009 through 16. So just a little bit of overlap. Now, I believe no relation to the one that we talked about for the other team, but number one in league assists is a man who plays for them, Luis Quinones, also from Colombia, winger. He's been here since 2015, though. He was loaned out the first three seasons. Very much looking forward to this one, not only to see what the result is going to be, but to see who is playing all out and who might be resting, guys. Last week's episode may have been online only, but that does not change the fact that the kiddies want a rehab and they shall have their way. Match number one from last week was a Saturday match. We had Real uh, Betis and Valencia playing in the Spanish Copa del Rey, the FA Cup final there. It went to 1-1 after regular time and then uh, Real Betis won 5-4 on penalty kicks. Match number B from England's Premier League, number five, Arsenal took on number six, Manchester United. The result was a 3-1 win for Arsenal. Guy we really like, Bukayo Saka, had the game-winning goal, and that moved Arsenal up into the Champions League spot in the fourth place for the moment. Match number three, number one, Bayern Munich took on number B, Borussia Dortmund in Germany's Bundesliga, Der Klassiker, and it was Munich coming out on top, 3-1. Match number four from Bahrain's Premier League, we have number one, Al Rifa taking on number B, Manama. They played to a scoreless draw. Uh, with one match remaining in the league, that leaves Al Rifa leading by three points and three on goal differential. So they haven't wrapped up the title yet, but Manama's going to need a good result and some luck to get the title now. Sunday, match number five, Orlando and uh, New York Red Bulls from MLS played and Red Bulls came out on top in L3. They were well caffeinated. Match number six, another Sunday match, Orlando Pirates from South Africa and Simba FC from Tanzania played in the quarterfinals of the Champions League in Africa. It was the second leg of the two-legged tie. Orlando won the match 1-0, which pulled the aggregate score up to 1-1 and then they went ahead and won on penalty kicks. Congratulations to them for getting through. Match number seven, we really didn't have a match. I simply told you about uh, the Caribbean Club Shield here in CONCACAF. Such a cool tournament. Monday, match number eight was number one RCA and number B Dakota 
from Ariba's Division D Anor. Yeah, we don't ignore the Caribbean. We go everywhere. The result was a 2-1 win for RCA. No change in the table there. Match number nine from the AFC Champions League group stage. Number one in their group from Iran, it was Fulad taking on the United Arab Emirates Shabab Al-Ali. It was always a 1-1 draw. So what that means is that, uh, and that was the last match of the group stage, Fulad move on to the knockout round. Uh, Shabab Al-Ali finishes one of the top three second place finishers in all of the various groups. That means they get to go on to one more qualifying round and may still get to move on overall in the tournament. Wednesday, match number 10 was from Iran. We had the Hazvi Cup, which is their FA Cup with a Champions League berth on the line. And it was two teams that weren't going to get to international play any other way. Congratulations to Nasaji. They beat Aluminium 0-1. Normally, this is where we would also do the bonus matches, but since last week was online only, we decided to forego that. So, with no further ado, let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. Don't party too hard on Saturday night, kids, because Sunday the action starts moderately early that you're going to catch our match number seven. We remain in Europe and we head to the Premier League, number one in the world. And it is number seven, West Ham, taking on number four, Arsenal in this doozy. Now, at the time I scouted it, things will have changed for some of the teams since then. Most of the teams uh, in the league had four to five matches left. So things are getting heavy. Here's how the table looks. Arsenal, they're hanging on to one of those top four Champions League bursts that their league gets just Barely. They lead number five, the dreaded Tottenham Hotspur, by uh, just a pair of points. And then West Ham, taking a look at them, they are in line right now for a Europa Conference League berth by finishing in seventh. They are two points behind uh, number six, Manchester United, who they would need to catch to earn a Europa League berth at the very least. Uh, Champions League is probably uh, out of sight for them by now. Uh, as far as the recent series, well, West Ham, as far as West Ham is the top of the table go, uh, they're new friends. Uh, Arsenal, less so. And so Arsenal have dominated with 17-3-2 record. But maybe this is West Ham's year, and they are getting to play host. When they played earlier this season at Arsenal, the home team won 2-0. You can catch this one on Telemundo for the Spanish-language broadcast or on the USA Network for English at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We will talk about West Ham first out of Stratford, East London, affectionately known as the Hammers, but also secondarily known as the Irons, which I had heard, but what I did not know is the origin. And I have since come to find that it is taken from them having been founded in the 1800 club name as Thames or Thames, excuse me, Thames is in the river ironworks. Cool. Best finish that they have ever had in their history for top flight is uh, number three. That was all the way back in 1985, 86. So they are in rarefied air for their, for themselves. Uh, they're about to also play uh, Eintracht Frankfurt from Germany in the semifinals of the Europa League, which is the modern era best they've ever done in any international competition. Last year, they finished in sixth place, hence the reason that they got to squeak into the Europa League. This year, uh, the offense has been good enough to get them where they are. The defense has uh, been just barely above average, to be perfectly honest. If they don't make European competition this year, it will probably be because of the defensive lapses that they occasionally have. 
Nevertheless, let's look at the offensive side of the ball. Top 10 in assists in the league is Jared Bowen, just 25 years old, plays winger. I presume came up with because he spent his last six years with championship side Hall City. He is a joy to watch. Really quick, good on the ball, very technical, and he cares enough to track back on defense, which is just the sort of thing an up-and-comer like West Ham uh, needs. The real question is going to be how long can they hold on to him? The best overall player is one they won't be holding on too much longer to, and that is Declan Rice, their central defensive midfielder, just 23 years old. But make no mistake, this guy is oozing Quality. He's already got nearly 30 national team appearances. Uh, rumors for a while looked very strong that he was probably going to be signing later for Manchester United, but now it's looking more like Chelsea. That is his most recently claimed preference in any case. Also fun to watch, he is sensational. Uh, passing out of the bag and off dribble. So this is not a guy that just looks to unload when he's been tracking back on defense. He will try to start attacks and counterattacks specifically. As far as this team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one across all competitions. Now, when it comes to the biggest leagues, Team Noob doesn't usually like to play favorites for the most part. But if we had to pick one from the current Premier League, we think we would default to Arsenal, but only because of our just utter disdain and dread for Tottenham Hotspur, which, as we always say, one day we will get into the why of that. So kind of by default, go Gunners, as they are known. Uh, Arsenal play out of Islington in uh, inner London, just north of center, very much a downtown team, if you will. Uh, I just love their mascot, Gunnersaurus Rex, and I'm... Uh, Glad to see he has been able to keep going after some drama during the pandemic on uh, whether or not he was a redundancy and would be needed and keep getting paid. Actually, a former player uh, named uh, Mesut Ozil offered to pay his entire salary during the pandemic, which was pretty cool. Anyway, 13 league titles for the Gunners. But not since 2003-2004. Last year was their worst year in quite a while. They finished just in eighth place. In fact, I believe this was the first time that they had not qualified for international play of some kind since all the way back in 1995-96. Uh, looking more recently, 2005-2006, they were runners-up of the Champions League. Their last four appearances internationally have all been in the Europa League 2018-19. They did finish as runners-up there. Uh, this year, they've got the sixth best offense and defense in the league. They're nowhere near the same quality as the top three clubs in that particular regard. But their goal differential, uh, the sum being greater than the parts, they have the number five overall goal differential. So looking at that as a metric, it's hardly inconceivable to think that they will be able to hold on to their number four spot. If they can, the guys who will have a lot to say with it include say about it include uh, a guy on the scoring leaderboard for them for the league, Bukayu. Saka. Uh, he is an Englishman. He's listed officially as a winger from what I've seen, but he plays all over the soccer map. Just 20 years old. Oh, what would it be like to have that kind of stamina again? Uh, he's got 11 goals, five assists. He's their best overall player statistically. One of the best in Europe. He is best known as uh, what some have called an infiltrator creator. He doesn't mind dribbling. He doesn't mind taking the ball through guys, and he can hang on to it to shoot or get a lot of assists, as we saw from his statistics. And then on the assist leaderboard, uh, everything happens in the uh, very front for them offensively, is one of their forwards, Alexander Lacazette from France. This team's current form, uh, they went 0-3 against weaker competition when they could have really been salting this number four spot away before changing their form for the better and beating Chelsea and Man United in their last two matches. 
Match number eight. Whew, all right. That is one heck of a weekend. As so often happens, New Bites, you get Monday off. Rest up, hydrate, eat your peanuts, whatever you need to do. Because Tuesday, we are right back to it. Now, we're going to only officially cover one match, but in fact, I want to make mention of several. Uh, Because the FA Cups are played uh, in almost all the European countries concurrently uh, with the leagues. This time of year, not only are we getting league drama, but we're getting FA Cup drama. But I've decided not to talk about all the various different finals because some weeks in particular that are coming up, I could do two or three episodes during the week just about those. So first I will make mention of the FA finals happening this week. They are in San Marino, Austria, Norway, Wales, Poland, the Czech Republic, and just as a side note for fun, over in Asia, the United Arab Emirates, not their FA Cup, but their League Cup final is happening. I don't think that there's an international berth on the line there like there would be for their FA Cup, but I founded it. I wanted to make mention of it. It's always time well spent. In any case, what's on the line for each of those countries, depending on where they are in the coefficients, uh, the countries that you would figure are not quite as uh, football strong, their FA Cup winners will no longer go to the Europa League like they used to. They now start getting bursts just to the Europa Conference League. But some of the better countries, like perhaps Austria's, I believe, will get to still go to the Europa League. So... There is one that we are going to talk about that will have to represent and stand in for them all. The one we're going to talk about could be none other than, and we'll get into the why soon, the FA Cup of Liechtenstein. Yes, a country I've actually been to, and I had ice cream there, which means I probably saw like 40% of this country of only 40,000. It is tiny, a little duchy that is all in, in, in most unofficial ways, a part of Switzerland. And if you're thinking football and Liechtenstein, well, I, I never hear anybody talking about that. Well, the reason is they do not have a league system there officially, at least I'm sure there's some local or regional ones, but they have nothing that is endorsed by the FA as far as a league. But they do have this, their FA Cup, and the winner still gets to go to a tournament. The winner will go to the Europa Conference League. They are excited to have this back. It's been canceled the last two years because of the pandemic. Now, here's what football looks like in the country. There's only seven uh, really official clubs, and they all play in the Swiss system, anywhere from levels two all the way down to seven in the Swiss soccer pyramid. To make the FA Cup happen, they decided they want 16 teams, so a lot of the clubs provide two and some even three teams. They have one or more reserve teams that are playing. And by the way, if you're wondering, yes, there have been occasions in the past, including one in the not-too-distant past, where a number two team, a reserve team, has gone through to a round even after their senior team has fallen out of the tournament in some other part of the bracket, which you know is pretty funny and I'm sure fun for them to talk about in their joint trainings. Um, and by the way, they get to go to the Europa Conference League, whoever wins this is which, why I'm picking this. This is their only chance at an international tournament berth because they don't have their league play. Even if they had a team in the Swiss Super League, that team would not be eligible uh, to qualify for inter- international competition through that league. Now, hypothetically, if a team were to win the Europa Conference League, they, would, they still would get a berth into the Europa League automatically. And then if they somehow magically managed to win that, yes, you could have a Lichtensteinian, yeah, that might be the Demonym, <laughs> uh, team that appeared in the champ, that would appear in the Champions League. Given that this uh, 
town is only about 25% bigger than, oh, say, Ames, Iowa. We really don't see that happening. Nevertheless, this is really our only chance to talk about teams from this country for the most part. Your matchup in the final is USV Eschen slash Marin, a joint venture between two teams that merged a while ago, versus the only team you probably really need to know about in this country, FC Vaduz. The final is going to be played in Vaduz, in fact, even though on paper they are listed as the visitors. Both of these teams got to skip the first two rounds and enter the quarterfinals as one of the top two seeds. We will talk about your severe underdog, even though they really are probably the second best team uh, historically and currently in this country, uh, Eschen Marin. Uh, This is a club that's been around a long time. We're founded in 1963. Uh, The town they currently play in after the merger is Eschen. Uh, That is a town of about 4,500 or so, which makes it the fourth biggest uh, town or quote-unquote city in this country. And uh, even though we mostly save stuff like this for one of our bonus matches, the most meaningless match in the world, I will say I found a USA connection, even though it had nothing to do with soccer whatsoever. There were several public projects architecturally that were designed in the city of Omaha, Nebraska, that were designed by John Leitner Sr., who is from Liechtenstein. Which projects were they? Yeah, don't know, don't care. It was the only USA connection I could find. I do like their crest, by the way. I've never seen anything quite like this. They've got a a somewhat standard circular crest, nothing super special about it. But then they've got two other smaller little shield crests that appear overlapping at the top left and right-hand corner of the main circular crest. I don't know if those are... uh, uh, if those are former crests that they didn't want to disinclude or just represent uh, different aspects of life and soccer in the country, but it is unique to the best of my knowledge. As far as the footy proper, this team, as far as Switzerland goes, they play in Liga One Group Three, which is the fourth tier of Swiss football. And they've actually spent most of their history uh, a league or so below that, down in the uh, uh, in Liga Two. Uh, This year in their league, they're actually doing pretty okay. Uh, They're in seventh place out of 14 in the league. They're more defensively inclined than offensively. They'll probably try to play small ball on this particular day. Uh, They advanced to this uh, final over uh, with an 0-1 win over FC uh, Rugel, which does play in uh, the Swiss second league, which is down in the sixth tier. 2012, they won this event, and that was a huge deal because out of the last 17 iterations that have been played, that is the only time anybody other than FC Vaduz has won. Uh, they lost on uh, one. They lost one to three on aggregate to a team that is simply abbreviated FH over in Iceland in the Europa League appearance. Europa League appearance in the first qualifying round. The other times. They have always been the runners-up. These are your two finalists every single year that they hold the tournament. Uh, Their team's current form, they just lost a second place in their league, uh, FC Baden, and that snapped a five-match unbeaten streak. How much will that mean against FC Vaduz, though? These are your historical greats. Greats. Uh, Vaduz, by the way, is the capital of uh, Liechtenstein. Town's got over 5,000 people. Um, most of it is in the west central part of the country, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, geographically and politically, they have enclaves that are still considered Vaduz all over the country. I assume they play in the main one in the, uh, the west central part. Club was founded 90 years ago. They advanced to the final with a 1-3 win over FC Balzers that play in the fourth tier. 
they were relegated last year from the Super League. So if this team does ring a bell, that is why. In fact, they've played in the Super League five different times, and for one glorious stretch, 2014 through 17, they actually stayed in the Super League instead of being immediately relegated like happens the other times. Uh, here in the 2021-22 Swiss Challenge League, the second division, they are in fourth place out of 10. They're not mathematically out of the promotion race, but they're getting closer. They're probably not going to move up this year. And they are more offensively declined, uh, more offensively inclined than defensively. So they will really be looking to push the pace, particularly since this is an unofficial home game for them. Number one league score for them is Simon Rapp. Uh, he is a Swiss citizen, plays forward. He has spent most of his career in the Swiss system with Swiss clubs, uh, usually other teams like, I believe, Thune and other Division One slash 2 yo-yo teams. Uh, this club's current form, they are 3-0-2 in their last five. Uh, basically, they've been winning every other match. Internationally, uh, they have been as far as the Europa League third qualifying round twice, including just a couple of years ago uh, when they last got to uh, play the FA Cup. They went on into the Europa League and got one match shy of the event proper or the group stage. Uh, they did also get to play in the last two seasons as Liechtenstein's representative, even though they didn't play the FA Cup. Everybody, this is Person Noob today. Hi, here we. Hi, here I am. So today we are answering questions because of the name. Questions will be answered today. So we have lovely questions, very lovely questions from two lovely people. First is Franco on at Franco O X X I underscore. Very nice questions. A lot of questions, actually. And then the Brian's and Me podcast has some questions. We're going to start with Franco's. Dad? All right. The first question he asks is, uh, have a candy draft, three rounds, and be specific. I think what he's asking for there is, what are your three favorite kinds of candy? Hershey's, Kit Kat, Almond Joy. All right. Now, this is mainly your segment but you want to be in here. May I do a quick follow-up? You hate almonds. How is Almond Joy one of your favorite candy bars? I don't like to eat the almonds that are inside. That are inside. Okay, so you don't like the almond, just the joy, so to speak. That's allowed. All right, next question. Franco asks, if you could animorph into an animal, which animal would you choose? If I could morph into any animal. Yep. I'd want to be a cheetah. No, a lion. A lion? Or any particular reason? No. <laughs> no, just sounds cool. Which is funny because lion is the mascot that we make fun of the most here in the podcast because all the soccer teams have it. Hey, but it's your question. Questions are being answered. By me. Today. I, rem- I saw. I heard that you put in the... Okay, what color or combination of colors should every soccer ball be? Purple and red. All right, interesting. I'm not sure those would be as visible in the dark, but great answer. All right, if you could pick a different time in history to spend a day, uh, what would you choose? Ancient Egyptians. Wow. Any follow-up information on why? 
Well, because I want to see who, like, kings were and, like, get a general idea on where they were buried so I can go visit them. Not visit, uh, visit them. And I really want to learn on, like, how they, like, study on, like, how. I want to learn how they um use those to, like, know about the time, like, how they died. I really want to know that. You want to be an Egyptologist? Yeah. Awesome. What's the best meal you've ever had from a restaurant? I had a biscuit from Red Lobster. <laughs> so, no, is that, but that's not the whole meal, but that's still the best thing you've ever eaten in a restaurant? Yes. I suppose at some point you probably really have just had biscuits and then ignored the rest of your food, haven't you? Yes. What's the best kind of cake? Red velvet. Red velvet cake. That is one of my favorites, but it's your very favorite, so I think we're related. And finally, from Mr. Frank, would you rather live and travel on a boat or a plane for a whole year? Boat. Boat. Any particular reason, pro-boat or anti-plane? No. No, just boat. Okay. I'm on a boat. All right. Do you, From Brian and me, um, our favorite podcast, do you like podcasting? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, good. It's good that we're doing this then. Which, which soccer match do you most want to see? Iowa versus Kentucky. Oh, you want to watch some college soccer, huh? We might be able to. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting. Okay. What's your uh, peace plan for the Middle East? I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell everyone, shut up. Just agree on something, you idiot. I can see that going really well. I'm not sure it's out of the Jimmy Carter School of Diplomacy, but uh, that is an answer. All right. And finally, if you could do anything without getting in trouble from your parents, what would it be? Not go to school. (laughs) But, you know, you can learn about Egypt at school. They don't teach that. They teach math. They teach math instead of Egypt. You know, perhaps you could write a strongly worded letter to someone who's in charge of the curriculum. Today at school for math, I had to do about a billion math problems and they weren't worth a grade and it sucked. I had to do extra work because I got all my work finished and my extra work finished. So I had to do extra math and it sucked. What kind of math are you studying? Right now, geometry. Oh, that was my that was my hardest uh, math class. <gasps> other than other than the first stats class I took at to- college, that was my least favorite. Like going back to pre college was was geometry. I was very bad at it. I know what an acute angle is. I know what an obtuse angle is. I know what an acute angle is. I know what ray is. I know a lot of other things. <laughs> Yes, and you're and you're you're, ve- you're flashing vague gang signs at me while you make these claims of what you know on geometry. Word to your mother. All right, those are all the questions. So thank you everybody for contributing to Person Noobs. Questions will be answered today. Match number nine. Midweek Wednesday. Just about always tournament time this time of year over in Europe. This week, no exception. The Champions League in Europe has reached its semifinals, and it is time to play the second legs of the two-legged ties. The winner of the match we're going to talk about will play Liverpool or Villarreal. You can catch this particular match on TUDN or Paramount Plus for your English broadcast, 3 o'clock Eastern time. 
Real Madrid versus Man City. Leg one was an all-timer. Man City won 4-3. And despite scoring four, uh, I, th- I feel like Real Madrid's coming in with uh, even uh, more momentum and confidence. It's very strange, but just such a back-and-forth affair and lots of fun. And as longer-time Misslers will know, this is the time of podcast we take a break from soccer, and I speak no more of the match at hand because we're going to use the sport as an excuse to learn about culture of the area where the uh, match is being played, which most of the time means food. Yes. And this is one of my favorite recipes I've ever found for us to talk about. And this is appropriate because this is an Easter time favorite in Spain, particularly in Madrid. And it's not just for breakfast anymore. It's called Torrijas. I'm going to sort of teach you how to make or introduce you to the making. You can look up the specific amounts depending on how many you want to serve on your own. If you're not familiar, this is basically French toast. And yet there is nothing basic about this deliciousness at all because it is going to come out completely different. Most of the time, French toast, you're thinking, okay, you've got your crushed, you've got your egg softened and milk softened bread in the middle, and it's going to be really tasty. Sprinkle on your usual stuff. Torrijas, rather different. Get a load of these ingredients. First, you're going to combine wine. More often than not, red wine. Uh, Sherries in particular get used if you want to keep this sweet. But I've heard of white wines getting used. Wine, milk, orange rind, cinnamon stick. And then uh, you're going to add those and half of your sugar allotment into a small saucepan. Bring this in a simmer. The point is to uh, stir it enough to dissolve the sugar. And that's all you really need to do for length of time. Then... You're going to place your bread slice into a deep tray, single layer, no surprise, as usual. And then you pour the wine and milk texture over the bread and then set that aside for 15 minutes, turn it halfway through the soaking time. Now, you'll place your orange juice into a small saucepan and add the honey. Bring that to a simmer long enough to reduce it to a thin syrup. At that point, you can shut off the heat. It is done. That's the only point. Then you're going to use your remaining sugar, add that in, as well as the ground cinnamon into a small bowl. Beat in the eggs, heat all of this over a large frying pan over medium heat, and then you add in your oil. Dip in the bread slices into the egg mixture and fry for two to three minutes on each side until everything is well browned. And I mean well browned because this is one of the things that makes this dish so different is the texture. I described at the beginning of this segment what the French toast, at least that I've had here stateside, is like for me. But this, it almost looks more like a frita or something. It is still soft on the inside, but both sides and not just on the edges, front and back all the way around. This is thick and crispy. So it is a very different dish in that particular regard. Now, once it is well browned and you've got that texture, take it out of the pan. Then you sprinkle with your cinnamon sugar and you drizzle it with the orange honey syrup. To boot, like I said, this is not just for breakfast. As often as not, you will see this served with ice cream. This thing is diabetes on an Easter plate, and I don't care. If it's wrong, I don't want to be right. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. And this is going to be a quick one, person noob, because... The result was not known to me when we had to put everything together. This was a very late Wednesday night match for leg one, but we wanted to at least make mention of the CONCACAF Champions League final, the second leg that is going to be at 
uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You're going to be able to catch it Wednesday night on uh, TUDN or Fox Sports 1, just like last week. Again, we don't know what the leg one score was between Seattle and Pumas, but we can tell you that Seattle are going to be uh, getting to host the second leg and however it turned out and uh, hoping that it was close because Pumas are not having the greatest year in Liga MX. Not the Seattle have been off to the hottest start either as far as an MLS and they're not quite as informed because it's earlier in the season, but it is thought that if any MLS team was going to win for the first time here in the uh, quote-unquote modern era of the CONCACAF Champions League since they reformatted it in 2000, this would be the time that an MLS side might actually be in position to take home the trophy. It has not happened since before the reformatting. I believe it happened twice in the 90s. I know DC and uh, I believe LA Galaxy each won once under the old format. So unfortunately, we don't have an official full-length mini preview for this. But hey, if you're an MLS fan or even a Liga MX fan, you're probably getting plenty on this from lots of different places and sources. And God bless you for it. Bring forth the bonus matches. Just briefly before we get into the bonus matches, which shall be brought forth, make no mistake. I don't normally do this, but there's so much late season drama, particularly in Europe. There were a couple of matches. I almost considered doing 12. There are really good races going on in the Czech Republic and Slovenia with at least two teams. And I believe in one instance, three or four teams that are still up for the title. And they both have very late season number one versus number B matches going on. Check those out. But now... On to our bonus matches, which have much different criteria that shall become uh, become evident shortly. Now, what are the bonus matches? Well, the most important thing maybe to know about them is that you get to help determine what they are going to be. I put up polls every single week on Twitter. Soccer Noob USA is my handle there, by the way. And uh, you get to vote on these and the magic content gets made. The first match is one that we call the... Route, 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 route. Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And as you would imagine, it is a first versus last place match. The one that you have voted for is a Wednesday one from Australia, the A-League men, where the champion will go to the Asian Champions League. That's the confederation the Australian League is a part of now. Uh, second place team and maybe the third place team will get to go to the AFC Cup, sort of Asia secondary tournament. On the other side of the uh, table, the other end, perhaps better said, there is no relegation. They're on a franchise model like Major League Soccer. And that is very good for number 10 Perth Glory as they will be playing host to number one Melbourne City in our round of the week matchup. There are only two matches left in the regular season. And if there were relegation, oh, Perth Glory, they would be taking their glory to the second division because they trail number nine Brisbane uh, Roar by nine points. They would they are mathematically going to finish in last. There is some drama for this one for number one Melbourne City, though, because they lead Western United by only two points. So the title still very much up in the air. The series in recent years, and this will be surprising to you, has very much gone Perth Glory's way. They have a 17, 11, and 10 record in all of their most recent matchups. That said, when they played earlier this year at Melbourne, it was City that won that match 1-0. We'll talk about the host purse. hosts first. Perth 
That is a city that is the fourth largest in Australia, way out in the West. It's very isolated. City of about two and a half million. Historically, this is a mining area, uh, plus a lot of petrol that's still part of the economy to this day and agriculture. Uh, because of the geographic isolation, it's a really interesting city. They develop a lot of culture, particularly music. Sounds different from anywhere else uh, because it's so isolated. And it's also meant that economically, they've never become very diverse as well. It's a very service oriented city. As far as the footy, four league titles to their credit. Uh, that is tied for the most in Australian A-League men history. Uh, they most recently won in 2018-2019. They played in the 2020 AFC uh, Champions League group stage, but they didn't get any wins or draws there. Last year, they finished in ninth place, so somehow they found a way to be even worse. Uh, how? Oh, well, that's so easy. How have they not done it? Worst offense, worst defense, Worst goal differential uh, by nearly three times, uh, being three times as bad in that department as Brisbane Roar. That said, they've actually got a pretty good player on their team. Top 10 league score is uh, Bruno Fornaroli plays for them. He's a veteran forward, Uruguayan-born, but he reps for Australia. And congratulations to him, despite his somewhat advanced soccer age, he got his first two national team caps just this year. As far as the team's current form, oof. 15-match winless streak that they are on, six-match losing streak, and they haven't managed a single goal in their last three. And now, uh, you're likely victors in waiting for this one. Melbourne City, they play in a suburb called Cranbourne East, which is about 30 miles southeast of the city center. So this is a very much a suburban team. Uh, give you a little geographic perspective of sorts. They are uh, ranked inside the top 75 of the AFC, but no better. They've only ever won the league title once, sort of twice. Here's the way it works in Australia. If you win the regular season, they call you uh, the premiers. And then if you win the playoffs, you are considered the champions. It is the regular season finish that determines whether or not you go to international play, by the way. And, uh, Let's see, they are playing actually in the AFC Champions League right now. Uh, they are in second place in their group of four, which I believe if they finish there would advance them not directly onto the knockout stage, but they would advance to one more playoff round with still another chance to advance to the bracketed portion of the tournament. This year, domestically, they are the number one offense keepers by a lot, scoring over two goals per match in what otherwise isn't that offensively oriented league. They've got a top four defense. Their goal differential is number one, uh, almost twice as good as anybody else in the league. Uh, they're largely to thank for that. They have number one league scorer, Jamie McLaren, a homegrown striker with 22 national team caps to his credit. They've also got the second best statistical goalkeeper in the league in terms of clean sheets. He's a Croatian. You'll find a lot of Croatian influence in general, culturally and population-wise in Australia. Ivan uh, Kalava, 34 years old, uh, not much of a European pedigree, but he did play for Udinese in Italy, Serie A for a little while. Uh, but most of the places he's played in the latter half of his career, he's been a journeyman, and I don't know if it's due to injuries or what, but he hasn't had a lot of appearances. Very much coming into his own now, though. As far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten across all competitions in their last five games. But the last two matches have been draws. So maybe just a little bit of daylight shining through is a possibility for Perth here at home. And who knows, they could be a little worn out from playing in the AFC Champions League. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yeah.
if your route of the week match were to be considered, say, the salad of this particular meal, then welcome to the sorbet. It serves a purpose, but you eat it and then you forget about it before you move on to the main course. Ah, yes, so many joyous ways to think of the most meaningless match in the world. Our chance to sign a light on two mid-table teams that nobody else is talking about, no matter where in the world they're from. And the one that you have voted for, voted for is from a very small corner of the world over in China, more or less. Say hello on Sunday to the Liga de Elite in Macau. Yeah, we follow the football everywhere. Uh, they get one Champions League berth over there in the AFC. And then on the other side of the spectrum, two out of the 10 teams are going to get relegated. That's not going to matter for these two because they're more or less smack dab in the middle, of course. They're about halfway through the season. The matchup is number seven, CFB Macau versus number six, Lun Lok. Lun Lok currently leads CFB by three. Uh, they trail CPK, the number one team in the league. This is their league every single year by 21 points. Just to give you a little idea of this league, there's CPK, there's three other teams that are more or less equal, yet you wouldn't really want to gamble against what order they were going to finish in. And then you have everybody else. Now, CFB in turn, they lead number nine, Casa de Portugal, by five, which doesn't sound like a lot. But again, this is a very single club stratified league. You could pretty much tell what order they're going to finish in every single year. These teams aren't going to get relegated. Nevertheless, we're going to talk about a CFB where the B stands for Benfica. This, of course, used to be like a Portuguese colony or it was rented out to them effectively by China. So you still see a ton of cultural and naming influence uh, all over Macau, not just as far as soccer clubs. Now, CF Benfica is not to be confused with current number three in the league, Benfica, or more specifically, Casa do Sport Lisboa e Benfica which in turn is not to be confused with number nine, Casa de Portugal M. Macau. You've got a lot of teams with a lot of very similar names. It can be confusing. It's a good thing we kind of know the quality of each of them. Uh, this team just got promoted from the second division of Macau, so congratulations on that to them. I think they're very much going to get to stay up. They've just gotten win one win so far, but fortunately for them, there are three clubs that have even to get their have yet to get their first win. Although full disclosure, one of those teams is a club called Policia. I don't know for sure, but it looks like they withdrawn from the league, and that's the reason why. In any case, this team on paper sure doesn't look that good, and like they would be relegation worthy. Uh, five and thirty-two goal differential. That is the second worst goal differential in the league. Team's current form. Well, uh, two matches ago they got that only win, which was two to one win over number nine Casa de Portugal. But then they follow that up with a nil five loss to number four, Chen Feng. And now Lun Lok, a club that was founded in 1985. I tried to figure out what Lun Lok meant. And uh, Google Translate from Cantonese came, came up with this. Take turns, okay. To say that there's something lost in the translation here is probably not quite accurate. Um, I did find, and I'll let you Google this up on your own because this is not person name safe, but uh, Lun, L-U-N, is also Cantonese for something else that has nothing to do with soccer. And it's just not, it's an adverb and it's not very nice. Look that up on your own if you want. Here at Team New, we don't like to look 
uh, like to be particularly blue, but it was kind of funny to be perfectly honest. Anyway, a lot of vagueness there. Search it up on your own. Last year, this team finished in fifth place here at the top flight. This year, they have the number six offense, averaging just one goal per match. The defense, pretty bad, uh, giving up over 2.5 goals per match. That's good for the number six overall goal differential. As far as this team's current form, they have lost three straight with a 2-12 and 12 goal differential Yikes, how is this not in our third and final match? These two teams sure aren't good. And if that match was the sorbet, well, then it's time for your main dish. But guess what? Rather than finishing off the show with a figurative slice of medium, well, delicious roast or a plate of sausagey good uh, ratatouille, no, you get a big, hot, steaming pile on a plate of you-know-what. Welcome to the match of... And this week, we actually didn't have you vote on which two teams that are at the bottom of some league somewhere in the world we're going to play because there were 20 qualifying matches, and I was not going to put up that many polls and just slaughter you all with those. And Instead, I just used a random number generator. And what we came up with was the Friday match in Scotland's championship. Ooh, yeah, extra stinky. It's not even their top flight. It's the bottom two teams from the second division in Scotland. It's their very last match of the season. Uh, one of the teams is going to get relegated. One of the teams will get to play in a relegation playoff. But unlike a lot of leagues, instead of it just being one team from the third division will have to play, uh, that they'll have to play, the second to last place team in Scotland will actually play in a mini tournament with the second through fourth place finishers from the third tier, which this year we already know who they are, Queen's Park, uh, Airdrionians, and Montrose. Will they get to play from this particular league, the championship? Well, this match will help us find out. And it is number nine, second to last place, Dunfermline Athletic in position for it. And they are taking on number 10, Queen of the South. Uh, uh, Dunfermline currently lead Queen of the South by five, which means, sorry, Queens, you are absolutely going down to Division Three. It is mathematically sealed. Extra disappointing. Uh, Dunfermline trail are united by one in the table and then one on goal differential. So they could actually climb out of danger potentially. And while they have uh, the easiest matchup they could hope for hosting the last place team, uh, our United play number four, Partick Thistle in their last match. And, uh, so that bodes well for them. But on the other hand, Partick Thistle, uh, they're in fourth place. That can't mathematically change. So they don't have a lot to play for. They might be playing a lot of reserves and young guys. We shall see. In any case, as far as these two combatants, Dunfermline, have had the better of it in recent years with an 11-9-7 record. They've already played three times this year. Uh, Dunfermline, in their two home matches, uh, they managed to lose 0-2 in the last one and earlier in the season only managed a 3-3 draw. Queens of the South in their home match got a 1-0 win. I have a feeling I have one of those home and aways off because uh, usually they do two and two home and away. Regardless, it's actually gone pretty well for Queen of the South against Dumfrenland. We will talk about the number nine team first, Dumfrenland. That is a town in County Fife, or a small city, I should say, east central part of the country, about 50,000 or so. It's not in the top 10 size, uh, size-wise size in Scotland, to be honest, but it does have one big claim to fame that I actually didn't know about. I believe I knew that he had been born in Scotland, but I didn't know in this particular county. Andrew Carnegie was born in Dumfrenland. They have an interesting nickname. They are known as the Pars. 
which I at first thought would either be a reference to the park, the nickname that's not very original for the ground that they play in, or I thought it might be a golfing restaurant uh, reference rather that would just mean that they're really you're referring to their averageness or their mediocrity in some fashion, which wouldn't even be true this year. They're particularly bad. No one knows for sure exactly where the name comes from, but there are some interesting theories out there on it. You'll find that uh, the oldest supporters still alive today say that a par is the name for a juvenile salmon with dark vertical markings. Those dark vertical markings would very much be akin to the parallel vertical stripes that are a regular part of their home kit. Uh, the stripes themselves are another theory. The fact that they're parallel, they think that that might be the pars or the pairs, perhaps. And another one, this just, oh, and I hate to run stereotypical, but this one just feels very, very Scottish. And I don't know if it's true or who came up with it. But there's a lot of folks out there that believe that this is a direct reference to the drinking habits as well as the style of play uh, of the team. Uh, pair would be short for paralytic. Apparently they are legendary uh, for their <laughs> drinking ability, even amongst the Scottish, which I would probably really be saying something. Uh, I think most likely that it comes from this one. There used to be a lot of English workers that would come over to Dunfermline from across the border. It's fairly close from Argyle, where the big team there for soccer is Plymouth Argyle. P for Plymouth, A-R for Argyle. Par, and you would even find banners to that end. Anyway, they have won four league titles in the past before here at the second level. Most recent one was 2010-2011. Uh, twice they've gotten to play in the, U, uh, in the UEFA Cup, which is more or less what is now known as the Europa League. Uh, they lost in the second, uh, the second qualifying round both times in that in the very early 2000s. Last year, they finished fourth place here in this league. This year, having a lot of trouble on offense, they're only averaging one goal per match. Defensively, they give up one and a half per match. That's a little bit better, but not by a lot, to be perfectly honest. Uh, this is not the highest scoring league in the world. The defense is more of an issue. In fact, when it comes to offense, interestingly, uh, the number one offensive team has only outscored the worst defensive team by 17 on the entire season. That's not a whole lot. Uh, best player that this team has going for them is probably Dominic Thomas, their left winger. He's got four goals and five assists, uh, pretty accurate on his crosses, and he takes a lot of those. Now, as we like to often do for the match of disappointing, we also look for the most disappointing player. And the worst guy statistically on this team, it's usually the goalkeeper, but not this time. Aaron Comrie, he is on the defensive side. They're right back. He's got no interceptions on the year whatsoever. Uh, clearances. He's only got 13, I think, on the entire year, which is really poor for a guy in that position. Uh, he's not. He doesn't do a lot of passing, and when he does bother to, he's not particularly accurate. This is a guy who really needs to bring it. You need to be less disappointing, Aaron Comrie. As far as the team's current form, they are 2-0-3 in their last five. They're basically losing every other match, which is a whole lot better than Queen of the South. This is a team that, as well as being known as Queens, is also called the Dune Hammers, which is a kind of dog. I believe it's a kind of a collie. Another claim to fame that they like to make mention of, and in fact, right in their album, in their anthem, is that they are the only team that is mentioned in the Bible. There are a couple references and verses in different books to Queens of the South. At least one of those seems to be for the Queen of Sheba. It has nothing to do with Scotland. I think it's a little lame to be perfectly honest. And I'm going to enjoy seeing this team go down to the third tier.
They play out of the town of Dumfries, which has a little less than 50,000 people. Uh, History buffs, if this name rings a bell for you, wow, you must have some interest not only in World War I, but particularly Northern Europe as it related to it. Because when the uh, Norwegian army ended up getting stuck here, exiled, this is where uh, far and away the lion's share of them ended up staying. Footy-wise, this team has three Division II titles to their credit. Last one won in 2012-2013. They finished number four in the top flight once. It wasn't called the Premier League or Premiership back then. That was all the way back in 1933-34. 2008-2009, they did get to play in that UEFA Cup that we mentioned earlier. They lost in their first match, which was in the second qualifying round. Last year, they finished in sixth place in this league. This year, absolutely crapping the bed. Worst offense, not even averaging a goal per match. Uh, Defense is only a little bit below average, so comparatively better anyway. But that offense is so bad that that means they're still uh, carrying the worst goal differential in the league. The best player that they have, or least bad player perhaps I should say, and he's young enough to still have plenty of time to get the heck out of here, is a central attacking midfielder, 22 years old, named Lee Connolly. Seven goals, six assists. To be perfectly honest, he's not a particularly good passer, which is unusual for somebody playing in the midfield. Uh, My guess is he plays more like a a true forward or a second striker in a lot of formations. Uh, He played with Sunderland over in England's League One a little bit, which is probably a stronger league than this particular one. The worst player that they've got going on the year, come on, pick up the slack, is Joshua DeBio. He is from over in England, plays center back for them. Another non-goalie, which is interesting. Again, usually it's goalies. Uh, This is a guy who Leicester fans might remember. He came up with them in the youth system. Never uh, appeared on their roster for the senior team, though. He's a pretty iffy passer. He's got very few interceptions. Seems to be a theme with this uh, team. Apparently, once the ball is in the back half, unless the goalie can get to it, yeah, it's going in. As far as this team's current form, well... Good for them on finding a little bit of good form late. They've uh, got a win and a draw in their last two, and that snapped a seven-match losing streak. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! Boo! And that's a wrap on one weird, wild, and woolly edition of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring... Person noob. Thank you so much for joining us for Up 81. Uh, we've endeavored to really create something strange, interesting, and fun and unique for you out there in the soccer pod world. Uh, if you enjoyed it or you think you know someone who would, please pass us on to your footy minded friends. In the meantime, I would like to thank. Obviously, my daughter, Person love you very much and love all the fun and flair you bring to this. Thank you as well to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former website Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspirations with the podcast. And of course, thank you to you very much for listening. We hope that you will try us again in a few days. So until then, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.